Hello everybody, welcome to The Black Print. I'm Nadia Johnson and this is our first NABJ podcast here on Northwestern's campus. We are putting this podcast on to celebrate black culture and pop culture and life, you know, because we are the innovators and the originators. So we will kick it off with Jordan who give us a rundown on what we're going to be talking about today. So in The Black Print, we're going to have different things we're going to talk about. We're going to have an advice column that we call Demons Declassified College Survival Guide. We're going to have our training news segment. We're also going to have a portion where we would like to highlight black businesses. So if you have a black business, please go on our IG page and put it down in the comments and we will look at your page and we will promote it on the podcast. And also back to the advice column, please put any questions you have pertaining college and we will give our opinions and advice on it. Hi guys, I'm Tahira and today for our first topic we'll be talking about Tandy Way Newton and how she recently gave an interview where she apologized to darker skinned women for taking their roles. Mm. So yeah, fans have since criticized her in the interview for sounding cringe and patronizing with the way she was talking. Basically, she said that um, her mom is a dark-skinned black woman and she was crying about how she didn't feel like she could properly represent dark-skinned black women in the industry and how she's apologizing for taking roles from dark-skinned actresses and um, taking men from dark-skinned people. So how do you guys feel about that? I know it was very, um, it raised a lot of eyebrows, we'll say that. (laughs) I definitely feel like her apology wasn't genuine because if she like truly felt in her heart that she had a problem with it, she wouldn't take those roles. She would be doing more to support the darker skinned women she's taking these roles for, taking these men from. Absolutely. I feel like, especially in the industry, a lot of the times, if you actually think back, a lot of people, especially light-skinned women, are cast in these roles. Like, for example, we have a big problem in the industry today where first it wasn't, it was black people weren't getting cast, period. And now it's just a lot of light-skinned actresses are being cast in these roles. And if you really think about it, it goes back to kind of stereotypes and not only stereotypes, but misogyny because traditionally black people, I mean, women in general were just cast as the side person, you know, the side character, Mm -hmm. the love interest and stuff. They weren't giving roles with depth. And of course, those roles are like damsel in distress um, roles, which were going to white actresses or, you know, Asian American actresses and stuff like that. So I feel like the stereotype between dark skin and light skin women has always been that light skin women are more acceptable. They're softer in a way. Mm -hmm. And light skin women being cast in these roles kind of highlights this issue that dark-skinned women are these strong aggressive villainous types because often dark-skinned women are cast in roles where they are the help they're villains they are um the funny often plus-size best friend they're never the main character (laughs) they're never the person who people feel the need to rescue And so I think that kind of highlights a bigger issue in Hollywood and in the world in general where they put these stereotypes on black women and light-skinned women and stuff. And it's important to really knock down those stereotypes, which starts with what Tahiri said, with not accepting. Like, you don't have to accept the role, sweetie. Ain't nobody told you to take it. Like, nobody told you to take that role. So I think if you really are trying to do your part, then 
you don't have to take the role. Now, I get that some agencies would probably just go on and cast a white person or something like that, but I feel like that she's been in the business for a long time. Yeah, that was also my question. It's like, do you really feel bad, or are you feeling bad because people are telling you to feel bad? Like, I remember... I watched a movie, it's called Vamp, it's something, Diaries with a Vampire, and Brad Pitt and everything was in there, whatever, but I just look back and I'm like, why did you accept the role? Like, you wanted to do it to advance your career. At this point, you're doing everything you can to advance your career. You're, you don't care that darker skinned actresses aren't in these little, what is it, when they go to audition for things? Audition? Like casting? Yeah, casting. You're, you didn't look around <laughs> and just... Right. You didn't look around and be like, hmm, it's a lack of darker-skinned women or black women around. No, you were thinking, oh, I hope I get this role. So you're only saying something now because we're living in a society that's getting more progressive with our thoughts and trying to be socially aware of the things we do and how black people specifically are being portrayed in media and how only certain type of black people are getting these opportunities over others. So now you want to get on the news or interview and cry about how you're so sorry for taking all these roles, but you weren't even thinking about this five years ago. So like it should have been, like Tahira said, more action instead of, just getting on and crying about it like it gives very performative action. it does it was, it was very much crocodile tears <laughs> i didn't feel a single emotion from that other than guilt no right we i had many conversations with my friends about it and it just that's kind of the thing that you've seen a lot since 2020 and you know the black lives matter rejuvenated movement and everything like that is a lot of performative activism and it and i did an article about it a while ago because i was like if you really cared about this, you should have done something when you had the opportunity right. to do something. Angela, what, what was her name? She's like a governor or something. She went to Met Gala in that dress with all that stuff on it. Uh, she Ale- was Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Are you talking yeah, about her? I think yeah, it might be. A- yeah, AOC. AOC. Yeah. 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 Like, we she know her about her nickname. <laughs> but you know how much Met Gala tickets cost for you to go and do that? Right. You're mm. literally in the government. You could have fixed something. You could have at least... Put something on your social media. Put something if you truly believe that that was an issue with like immigration and all that, because that's what she was doing it for. She could have went about it like a totally different way. She was doing that so people could see her and be like, "Oh yeah, that's what she does. That's what she supports. That she's a." It's not that. It's like, not that. Yeah, I feel like people, especially the celebrities and stuff, there's a difference between bringing awareness to an issue and actually doing something about the issue. You can bring awareness to the issue. I have no problem with you bringing awareness no. to it, but you also have to back that up with actions and stuff like that. Like, a lot of actors, I forget who it was, a lot of actors have started putting in their contracts that you have to hire a certain amount of people or people who look a certain way mm-hmm. or something like that because, like, kind of what Ellen Pompeo had said in that, you know, interview a couple years back, she didn't feel like her set looked like the world that she lived in. And right. I think it's very important for other actors, and not only actors, directors, producers, casting directors, which is so overlooked in this industry. Because mm-hmm. anytime I see a movie where I don't feel like the representation is given what it needs to give, I'm looking in the credits to see who the casting director was. I may not know you. I may not never see your face. But just know, 
you're shady. You're shady. You I are. I blame that. you. You're shady. Right. I need to look producers. Everybody who I want to know who did this boom mics, <laughs> the lighting. <laughs> like, come, cause come on now. People need to start paying attention to when they do that. Instead of, I mean, yeah, a director and a producer obviously have a lot of influence on a movie. But when you look at the casting directors and people who actually make those decisions, it is incredibly important. So instead of calling out directors and producers and stuff like that, call out those people too. Put their names in the media. When you Google this person, I want to see a story about how they were being, misre- how they misrepresented this community or something. Like, you know, bring awareness to it mm-hmm. instead of, you know, making it an umbrella issue, basically. Mm-hmm. Putting it on everybody who was involved. Yeah. Because it's not from actresses to directors to producers. Like, it's every- who got the idea that they want to, the companies, like, you shouldn't, going into a movie you sh- or a TV show or anything, you should know, okay, I want my staff to be a diverse group of people so I can have everyone's input so it can, like like the Ellen Pompeo lady said, reflects the real world we live in today. Yeah. So it could give that relatability. And I think my whole thing with Thandy is, even if she's just now becoming aware, you it's still time for you to do something. Like, you could have like stop taking these certain roles because I've I've watched a few of her movies and she's always like you said playing that damsel in distress Mm -hmm. like I remember like Good Deed was it Tyler Perry mm -hmm. damsel in distress (laughs) she's always playing that role and I feel like stop taking these roles like I have not seen her in a quote-unquote black movie Except for Norbit. And that is not a credible movie to just be like, that's just one of those black iconic movies to be in. Like, try to work with more black people. Try to help produce more black shows, more movies. Like, get out there. Put the word out there about how the lack of diversity in these settings is just trash. Like... Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But yeah, just like with this situation, we're going to move on to, did y'all hear what happened on TikTok recently, earlier this week with Nicki Minaj, the Black History Month event where they, um, it was like a Zoom call where everybody got to meet up with Nicki Minaj, ask her questions and stuff like that. And it got a lot of backlash as TikTok and black creators always do because <laughs> TikTok can never get it, get it right. Apparently it got a lot of backlash. Because they felt like there were too many white creators in the meeting and not enough black creators were able to be heard and get their questions out and really get to um, endorse their platform. So with that, do you feel like TikTok does enough for their black creators? Definitely not. Mm -hmm. I don't believe TikTok. TikTok hasn't done anything for their black creators since last Black History Month when they did something. Was it last Black History Month? Then they just sent like a box. I'm about to say, I'm not (laughs) on TikTok, so I don't be knowing. Which one? They had fooled them out. They were all in a hotel. That was the last thing that they ever did for black people. Last thing. And every time it's an issue on TikTok, like regarding black people, they get silenced. TikTok starts deleting their videos. Mm -hmm. They start muting the reporting pages, all of that. I literally sat and watched a TikTok last night, and he. He was a from a black man, and he said he had to watch the way he said for his video gets deleted again. And I'm like, so y'all yes. love to yell freedom of speech, but yet y'all are controlling the way black creators talk on this app. When I've seen countless of white creators say whatever they thought, whether mm. it w- even when it was clear that 
that's not even right. Like, you shouldn't be saying these things. You shouldn't be thanking them, but let alone saying it on a platform like this and then getting followers and views off this. Like, copious amounts. Like, it's just ridiculous. I feel like, because TikTok is like the new Vine, but it also goes back into Vine. Like, all you saw was white creators. And it's just, it's really disheartening to see that we are the innovators, but we get pushed to the side and our content taken and even get twisted up and just misused so we could be a punchline or our jokes get stolen. It's just, I don't like that. Well, you see it a lot with like TikTokers like Charlie D'Amelio and everything else. Mm -hmm. Black people have literally cultivated this app. Black people are the reason that TikTok is what it is today. Mm-hmm. Our dance trends, our our funny TikToks, all the different trends and things that we do on TikTok, every single one of them pretty much goes back to black people. Yes. So the fact that TikTok would have an event like this where, you know, to celebrate Black History Month and then only really let white people dominate the event is just crazy. A lot of people are saying they shouldn't have even been invited, which at all. Um, exactly. I don't think they should have been invited either based off of a lot of those creators, again, get their platform by doing trends from black people. If you're going to invite people to celebrate TikTok and celebrate Black History Month, then you go back to where it all started. And that's with the black creators. Like um, last year, Jimmy Fallon caught a lot of heat because he invited Mm -hmm. Addison Rae and Charlie D'Amelio and all of those people on The Tonight Show to do dances that they didn't even create. Exactly. Frankly, I don't think they should be called TikTok creators if y'all aren't creating your own content. She got millions of followers <laughs> from taking a black girl's dance. Yes, and I'm just that's and simplifying crazy. it. Right, that's it wasn't even good. It. And then it's crazy because even seeing black kids recreate her simplified dance, do it better than she did. Exactly. <laughs> it's just funny to me. Like, it's crazy to me, but I feel like they. I feel like there needs to be action behind it because mm-hmm. black people have been saying this since TikTok first started. Mm-hmm. And I feel like until we actually do something about the issue and make it known that we're not going to accept it anymore, then things will be done. I know you're not on TikTok, but I think about a year ago or something like that, there was a whole week where people, most people, I mean, you always got some couple black people who try and get their views or whatever. Right. But, you know, there was a under a non-official boycott of TikTok where nobody was making any content or any new trends or anything for like a week or something mm-hmm. just to see what the white people did. Yes. <laughs> just yes. to see. And you know what TikTok was? Silent. Silent. They were up on like in front of the video, didn't know what to do. Didn't know to what to do. They said, this is my time to shine. And they did not kill it. They did not get, it just wasn't it. And I'm not saying that white people aren't talented or can't create their own content, but a lot of white people on TikTok are, have their platform from black creators. And that's not fair. Yeah, you can, there's no problem with doing a trend. That's the whole point of it being a trend, but you have to give credit where credit is due. And if you're not going to do that, then don't do it at all. Right. Don't do it at all. They're definitely not trendsetters. They're they're the people that have the platform, yet they're not the trendsetters. Right. And that's what honestly makes me upset. Like seeing everybody on YouTube or no YouTube on TikTok or and on YouTube too. Yeah. Taking these ideas, taking all these trends, doing all this, not giving credit and still getting millions of followers, millions of views. Millions of likes, you know, Often and it's nothing. not even the followers. And it's for not me. your, it's not your thought. It's You're the money. Yes. Pay me my money. 
Charlie D'Amelio, Addison Rae, all these other TikTok creators get so much money off of endorsement deals, commercials, appearances. That does not go to the original creator, and that is what I have a problem it's with. It's also the opportunity. Like, the opportunity to get your own show, yes. to be in a movie, like, to go on these interviews and do these dances that you've stolen from black creators is just what drives me. Like, money is nice, but it's like, these kids are kids. Like, you are a 20-something-year-old college dropout. Sorry. But, like, that's what you <laughs> are. college dropout. Dropout. And these are kids who are in high school who would love to fly to New York to be on Jimmy Fallon, mm-hmm. who would love to be on a Disney movie. Like, they would love these opportunities that you keep getting and are taking away from them because you are just not creative enough to come up with your own ideas. So if we were to fix this issue, what do you think would be the first step to try and rectify it? Change the algorithms. Because yes. that's a big thing. Because, yeah. like, yes. I do have a TikTok account, but I rarely go on it. But every time I go on it, no matter what content I watch, I just see white content creator after another. And it's like, okay, I'm not interested in this. I'm not interested in this. I y'all, I go on my likes and I see my likes and I see why it's not matching up. Like mm-hmm. something is clearly off. Like, and then it's not even that because again, they are getting real views and likes. It's the fact that it should be a, vi- a diverse what is it like search table? Yeah. Like do you know how far you gotta scroll to find a black person right. every time you search something? Even if it's a yes. black trend, do you know how far you have to scroll just to find one black person? It's crazy. Or having to type in. Huh? When you were looking up the Tandy yes. Way, you had to scroll. I had to, find to a scroll because every when I was looking up the Tandy Way interview, I was looking at the headlines to try and see how to explain it, how to give y'all the best information, how to give y'all the tea. And every single article, like the first 10 articles is like, Tandy Way gives an emotional interview where yeah. she apologizes to the dark-skinned community. No! <laughs> but no! No! Talk about how people reacted to it is what I want to hear about. Like, all the headlines from people and, you know, all those traditionally white organizations was really trying to make this interview some mm-hmm. it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. You gotta. Yeah. I said, let me find a black. Because they said we forgive you, Tandy. <laughs> we you forgive. can't forgive her. For White right. people be forgiving people for things they even have anything to do with. Yes. And I just thought about something. She's when she sat there and said, "Taking your man." So clearly, she's separating herself from the black community, just mm-hmm. by that simple point right there. Mm-hmm. Like, what? What is this? Like, <laughs> It wasn't giving what it needed I'm to sorry, give. I'm sorry, I'm the chosen one, quote. Yeah, it's right. the chosen I, one. I said, oh, no. She said the chosen one. This the Harry chosen. Potter? What, what are we doing? What are we doing, sweetie? God has doing? crowned her. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. And speaking of people in different spaces, we got to talk about this Aquafina thing that happened earlier this week where she apologized for using... A black scent. Yes, did she, she apologize? I heard she did. I mean, some from people. What, <laughs> from what I seen, she said, "I acknowledge I do this, and I'm gonna continue to do it." <laughs> That's what she said. She said, <laughs> "And what? And, and what?" Well, it's very. How has she been making content like that? That's a like good years? question. Okay, or... the first time I ever heard of Aquafina, I was in 
middle school and you know how you just be on YouTube as a kid boy. And yeah. I seen her little rap videos. Did I think they were good? No. Then I was like, <laughs> mm, this little Asian girl be rapping. Oh, okay, that's what's up. So she's always had that quote unquote hip hop aesthetic to her. Mm-hmm. So then when it went to her wanting to be on television and movies, she adapted to that. So she would she toned down mm-hmm. obviously her hip hop aesthetic. And but the accent and the voice never changed. Like she could be talking regular and then it'd be like, Oh no, you didn't. Oh no, you and I'll be like Girl, what? Yeah. Like trying to add emphasis on stuff, and I'm like, you you ain't gotta do that. I don't know why, like, non people of color, non black people, <laughs> non black people. Let me just say that non black people, not even non people of color, they don't realize that that don't eat how they think it do at all. You look dumb. I'm embarrassed for you, babe. And the it's... fact that you don't even use it right sometimes, Wu Chile. Are they saying it so properly that it's just like yeah. if you're gonna use slang, at least that's why it's called vernacular. You get there's a way to say it. it's not just the word, there's the way to say the word that people don't seem to understand. But my problem with that is like just like what you were saying, it's an aesthetic. They try and take these aesthetic, they take cultures and put them on like their outfits and it's crazy to me but with the black scent everything goes back to trying to sound cool and stuff like that but why what is it y'all don't want to be black people at all y'all don't want our experiences our struggles y'all don't want that y'all just want the cool things that you can pluck and take and stuff like that i that's crazy to me but with black scent it's all it's a lot of that stuff especially coming from non-black people like It, it can sound very stereotypical because, like, why do you think that's what a black person it sounds like? It is very stu- uh, stereotypical and because it's all the same. Every non-black person, they sound the exact same when they use that accent, that black scent. And then they'll say, oh, well, I'm oh, from I'm New from York. Georgia. I'm from Georgia. I'm they from sound Georgia. like, baby, they do not sound like that in Georgia. No. They do not. Because no. that's what the same girl in Cali said. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's what she said, too. <laughs> they be saying, oh, that's just where I grew up. Is it girl? They had a group me and said, "This is how black people talk, and we all gonna talk like this." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how the KKK me. With the rose, Jesus, oh, it's Lord. just it's ridiculous. And then it's crazy when they get called out for things like this. Yes. The lack of, I don't want to be black like that. Mm. Bad baby, Danielle for girly girl. The Catch Me Outside girl, <laughs> however y'all want to identify her as. She is one of the main people I see who is just downright, what is being black? What is acting black? And it's like, baby, you are a walking caricature and stereotype of what someone thinks acting black is. From the way you talk, dress, from your hair. Like, I swear, y'all, I seen her do a braid out on Instagram. <laughs> like, you could tell she did. She took them plaits out and was just talking Not about curly hair. To look. She's biracial. <laughs> She's biracial. No copyright. Don't copyright. <laughs> but, yeah, like, but it would be the main one arguing down and saying the N word. Oh, my God. I hate that. I hate like, that. Like, mm-hmm. I hate that. 
out, girl. You know I'm not meaning to say it like that. Like I'm not saying it like that. You're still saying it. I told you not to say it. Right, right. but that's how they get like defensive, that. and that's my biggest issue. Y'all want to say y'all allies. Y'all want to say y'all with black people. Y'all want to say it's appreciation. But if somebody tells you something about it and says it makes them uncomfortable, says don't do it, says you know all those other things, and y'all get defensive or you do it anyway, then clearly you're not what you're saying you are. Or I try exactly. to explain because yes. I've had a white boy in high school explained to me that the n-word means oh it's like friend but if i just sit here and told you not when it comes out your white mouth it don't mean that mm-hmm. to my black ears no <laughs> don't tell me what it means. right there used to be a white guy who would say it to other people like would say it like it was a meaning friend or something like he would say it to other people or like asians or something like that and i'd be like i just look at him and i'd be like if you say that one more time i'm gonna slap you upside your head and when I tell you in high school, I was the most calm, reserved person ever. So, I do not say that. In my presence or without it. I want you to go to sleep at night. And if you even think about saying it, just know I will turn up at your door and beat you up. All the words in the world. We got whole dictionaries full yes. of words. Educate Why do you need this one word? Why do you need After that? I Y'all told you, it. I don't like it. Now, and what make? But for me, it's like what makes it even worse is when... POC people use it. I, like, yeah, I don't like it either. Because my thing is, I know, and I'm just saying no brag or a flex, but like, mm-hmm. I know a lot of racial slurs. Because, you know, where I grew up and it's just mm-hmm. old TV shows. That's, that's what I'm just saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. How to brag? I'm just saying. I'm not trying to brag, but I know right. what <laughs> <laughs> Nah. But I'm just saying, if I know these things and I know that they're not acceptable to use and how harmful it is against you, why can't you give me the same respect and not use a word? Not be, you want to sit here, oh, I could say it because I'm Hispanic. No. I could say it because I'm, no. If you are not black. Don't say it. Don't say it. And I don't mean black as my granddaddy is black, <laughs> but I'm white presenting with a white mom. And it makes like, no, don't say it. Like, if you can't go through the same struggles as a black person today, just by off your appearance of looking black, do not say it. I feel like there is no reason for you to say it. None. But speaking of that, like with AAV and everything like that, which... Do you think we should or that it's okay to gatekeep certain things? Like when people say sis or yes, queen or period or something like that. Like, I don't know. Every time I see, you know, a non-black person saying that, I cringe just a little bit. I don't like it only because that is, or people say that is, what is it? A trend, a new style, whatever, mm, Brittany, yeah. whatever, what her name was, Brittany, um, the girl, the kombucha girl. She said, kombucha. hey, oh, is oh. not... Uh, not for not for us, not not for us. But uh-huh. it's just like yeah. it's whatever. Everybody could say it. Basically, everybody nah. could say it. Y'all are not the only ones that could say it. The reason, okay, this is my problem, cause like I've had people say it to me, and I feel like they feel the need to talk like that to me as a way to relate to me. And it's like mm-hmm. we could just yeah. talk. Like yeah. you don't need to say these things for me to relate to you or you to relate to me. Like. I do it every day with other black people. We don't, like, mm-hmm. you know. So, most definitely, I feel like we could, I feel like in some aspects, we can gatekeep. And then at some point, it just be out of our control. Because if I see a little 
child that is not black. I, I, you know, I'm trying to be, trying, trying to be <laughs> with my words. Going around be like, yes, sis. I'm going to think it's funny because it's a little kid and they're watching a video that has went viral and they, and they don't know no better. But if I see you at your big grown self <laughs> in my face talking about some, what's up, sis? I ain't seen you in forever. Like, what's up, girl? I'm like, okay, you ain't had to do all that. That's false <laughs> you, right. You, you ain't had to do You could have just had, hey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what's up? What's right. up? We could have started our day in conversation. I feel like a lot of black people feel the need to gatekeep because everything, just like with the TikTok situation and everything like that, everything it feels like gets taken or away from us. How many inventions have we created mm-hmm. that white people yeah. have claimed? How many dances that we do that other people do and get money for? Like it styles. just feels st- hairstyles. When Kylie Jenner wanted to say she invented wigs, girl. Air girl. Forces. <laughs> Air y'all forces. was never buying Air Forces they, like y'all is now. Oh, beat up. Be, Baby, be down. It, the love, it's like, just, oh. it's crazy. But I feel like we feel the need to gatekeep all those things just because they have been taken and kind of re, not reinvented, but just, like, reclaimed and stuff like that. And you don't get your credit. You don't get any of that. So I feel like black people are super strict with gatekeeping certain things because they know that it can be taken away and repurposed and misused or misinterpreted and misrepresented in so many different ways Mm. when for us it's our culture and it's what we've grown up on and it's what we love but for them it's a trend that they can get rid of in two two months and make it something completely meaningless and you know that thing those things have meaning for us our experiences and stuff like that just like dapping. Did y'all like y'all know about that? Mm-mm. Dapping was actually done in the military between black soldiers and stuff like that as a way to be like, yo, I got you. Cause literally they would get shot I in the back. Know that. They, yeah, like because they weren't accepted in the military, so they would, you know, get horrible treatment and stuff like that on the field and off the field. And, you know, that was kind of their way to be like, yo, I got your back. Mm-hmm. It was even banned at one point in the military. So. They love the bandas, oh. don't they? But BS crazy. Yeah, they um, yeah. craziest thing. It's a handshake. Dude. But like to this, the gatekeeping. I feel like a lot of people, they also don't know like the reason these things originated. Like yes. why AAV is created. Like why people, even though this, this, whatever. But like why people was buying Air Forces back in the day, and why that, why they dress the way they dress. Like. It's not because they thought it was cool. It's because they had to. Like, mm-hmm. it was just what was probably the cheaper or better option at the time. Like, so for you to come 20, 30 years later and it'd be trendy when literally you was downing people for that. And that's why I have a lot my love-hate relationship with fashion industry. That's a whole different thing. Because it's just like you really down us for certain things. Until you put it on and dress it up and say, this is it. Like, yeah. maybe Christopher Columbus in. <laughs> Christopher Columbus. Have you seen that thing? We with should the create a term. On TikTok? Yeah. <laughs> Look, our terms for black print, they Christopher yeah. Columbus in. Yeah. We have a dictionary yeah. by the okay. end of this podcast. They had this woman on TikTok. She discovered ramen, the chicken ramen. Y'all saw Ooh, that? Good. No. Did y'all see oh, that? Hey. She said, oh, yes, this is so, it's a cheaper alternative. All you have to do is just boil the noodles. She left so much juice in that pot when she put the, the little powder in there. 
<laughs> it was ridiculous. Like, I know the noodles were so bland. She's talking about, yeah, it's way better than spending like $10 at a fancy ramen restaurant. You can just do it straight from home. Like, she just discovered right. this. Right. Like, ramen was At this been. point, people need to just be mad about that. It, it don't matter which race. Everybody need to be mad. Because everybody, everybody be eating arms. Right. Everybody was eating ramen before that. Like, stop it. Please mm. stop. That's oh just... What's that? Classism? That's when classism comes in. I feel yeah. Like. That's what, like, which, I mean, that's a big part of, like, using black sense and using all these stereotypes. Because mm-hmm. they feel like it's ghetto. And ghetto is funny or cool and being part of ghetto is being poor like a lot of people equate black and poor and that Mm, ain't it that's a problem that is a problem a big old problem and i feel like when you do things like that you really have to kind of dig into yourself and be like why Mm. why 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 is this something that i identify with do i think it's cool why if somebody told me to stop because it bothers them why am I getting defensive about it? Like, different things. You really have to kind of look into yourself and analyze what it means to you. Because it means something to black people. But if you can just throw it away in a couple of weeks, clearly it didn't mean much to you. Right. right. It was just something to pass the time, something, a phase even. You know how Justin Bieber be going through his little black phases every once in a while. Light skin Justin Bieber be hitting <laughs> stuff. Oh my god. With them dreads. Oh my god. With the dreads and the cornrows at one time. The dreads lasted for what? Two two days. Oh my god. I'm not gonna lie, little twist Justin Bieber was it. Like I used to <laughs> love when he was hanging out and he was just running around just making other white people mad. It was yes. so funny. But he was he was trying to befriend every black person in Hollywood. Oh, he oh my was. god. He was. He was real close to Jaden and Smith and them, though, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. They they chill, though. They they chill. Yeah. For, but they was too chill for what he was trying to accomplish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my you goodness. Even on that. Right. But with the black scent thing, I also want to point out how when non-blacks use it, they use it as in, like, an aggressive tone. Like, mm. that's when they like to show they're mad or they about to fight or something. Is That's when they want to pull it out the bag. And I'm like, don't do that. Don't play with don't us. Do don't do that. Because, like, even today, like, we're always seen as the aggressor. Even when we have clearly been pushed to a point, when we retaliate, it's our fault. And it's, like, how it's always been. And it's, like, when you use that, to me, it's, like, you're admitting what you're doing if you could just sit there and do that. Yeah. Like, if you could be, like, just show that you're angry on TikTok, like, you about to fight, do all these little mannerisms that you've seen black people do and say to want to fight. So you're admitting what y'all are doing when y'all put this aggressive label on us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that kicks it off for our trending news topics of the day. Now we'll go into our next segment, which is Demons Declassified College Survival Guide, where you, our audience, will send in questions, advice, um, any recent news going on on campus and off campus in the Natchitoches community. We'll talk about it, give y'all advice, let y'all know what's going on. So our first topic of the day is how do you find your voice or find your place as a black person going to a PWI? Um, I don't feel like I've had, like, a real struggle with it because I was raised around, like, all white people, basically. Like, other than my family. Of course, my family mm-hmm. isn't white. <laughs> but, but I went to all white schools, all white middle schools, all white high schools. So, coming to college and experiencing this, 
I've already like kind of adapted. I know I have to get into stuff and like meet new people, meet people who look like me so I can have like genuine friends, not people who I'm just like the token black girl to. Mm-hmm. Y'all get yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, my experience with it is, especially at college, I was a very, I come from a very big family, big mouth, outspoken and stuff like that. So when I was, a, but I was also very shy. Mm-hmm. Like if anybody, like people used to call me Same. bossy and stuff like that. I'd be like, Okay, so I'm not going to say nothing then. Same. And so, so finding my voice in college was actually a really big struggle for me just because I had gotten used to just kind of putting my head down and just, you know, going through it and stuff like that. But coming to college, the biggest thing I would give advice to somebody black going to a PWI is finding those spaces for you. Joining clubs was so essential to me coming into college. I would not be where I am and I would not be who I am if I had not joined clubs. I know I'm in AAC, African American Caucus. I know, you know, y'all are in some clubs like... um, Open Hands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, different organizations, joining organizations and finding your people and finding your your group is so important because it gives you other people to lean on. It gives you reasons to get out the house. For example, um, freshman year, I did not stay on campus. I actually stayed in Frog Pond, which is now the quad, since they want to rename themselves, whatever. <laughs> Always been the ghetto. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> It'll be Frog Pond to me. I stayed off camp because I missed the housing application or whatever, mm-hmm. and it turned out that staying off campus was actually kind of cheaper. But I went and stayed at Frog Pond, and I had three other roommates, one of which was my sister. And while I did like living off campus, and I do recommend living off campus later on in your college career, I think living on campus, at least for one semester, is so essential because when I tell you, no matter where you come from, I'm from New Orleans, I don't, I'm not, no, I'm not local to Natchitoches, so I didn't know anybody when I came to Northwestern, and all these people have been like, oh yeah, we've been going to school together since kindergarten and all this other stuff, and I just felt so mm. intimidated. Yeah. So, like, and it was really hard to make friends. So especially, you know, freshman connection, all the friends I had made either dropped out or, you know, I just didn't really see any more anything like that. So and then moving off campus, it just felt alone. I felt so lonely. So but going to those AAC events and, you know, going to all those different informationals and things like that really helped me find my my group and find who I was. And it forced me to kind of get back in the circle of socializing, because I think when you're in college, it's so easy to just focus on your studies and your studies only because that's Mm -hmm. what I was doing in high school I mean I was a student athlete so I was focusing on softball and stuff like that but I would literally wake up go to school go to softball come home do chores homework and that's it I never saw my friends I never got to really be the social person and grow into who I was so like now I feel so socially awkward half the time because like you can invite people to your house now because my parents I mean my parents they didn't really, we didn't really do that. Let's just say that. We didn't right. do that. Even though my house was nice. I have a nice house. That's <laughs> cool. We always had snacks. And, like, people used to clown me because I would come to school with these big old lunch boxes with, like, four drinks and a bunch of snacks and some gourmet, like, meal. Like, it was funny. But I'm not used to having to socially entertain others. So, like, in a lot of social situations, I feel very awkward. So the biggest thing I can recommend is, you know, pushing yourself and really going out of your comfort zone. Yeah, my, like, feelings were definitely the same my freshman year. Like, I came in just by myself. Like, I didn't make – I had that one-day freshman connection, so I didn't Mm -hmm. make any friends. I 
So I was like the whole, my whole freshman year, I just spent in my dorm room. Like I didn't go out. I didn't do anything. And it was a very like lonely experience. And that's why I'm such an advocate of just getting out and doing something like going to these clubs. Cause it is a lot of people there that will get you, that will look like you are. It's just interested in the same things you're interested in. Like, and even if it's just to go walk, because looking at four walls all day is there. It is so depressing. Like, mm-hmm. you are in jail, but you can roam free. Like, it's, so, mm-hmm. it's, it's such a weird thing. So that's why now I feel like even though I'm so late, like, now I'm trying to join, like, clubs now, which is so crazy because I joined a whole sorority. But mm-hmm. they were, like, really the push I needed, though. Like, yeah. looking mm-hmm. back at it, as to why it is important to get out there and do things that you're interested in. So, yeah, just join clubs and everything. I've noticed, like, especially after 2020 and stuff, and I was talking to one of my friends about this, how after the pandemic, well, technically we're still in it, but, you know, with this pandemic, it's, like, really affected people's social skills. Mm. You don't look people in the eyes no more. You don't say hi to people when you're walking past them. You don't just go and sit in the union and, you know, enjoy in between classes anymore it's just so crazy to me and that's how I mean I didn't make a ton of friends freshman year I didn't really make any friends freshman year but that's how I that's I remember it fondly just from sitting in the union and watching you know the different clubs have their booths and just listening to people friend groups and all the funny stuff they were talking about and different things you get that college experience and it's just it sucks that you can't really have that anymore and that I'm I'm a senior now. That kicked off my sophomore year, and I feel like it's dominated my entire college career. And I get so sad about it because everything's changed, and you don't really get that same experience. And I hope this is over soon, so that at least you know the freshman, sophomore, and everybody after can at least get somewhat of that college experience back because it's really crucial to your self growth. Yeah. So, and then also like if you are a shy person, mm-hmm. going to these clubs, I would advise you. Don't be afraid to talk to anybody because that was also one of the reasons why I stayed in my room is because I was just so scared to have people talk to me. Like, mm-hmm. just say hi. And I'm like, oh, hi. Because I was afraid I was going <laughs> to stutter or say something stupid. But, like, don't. Like, I feel like the more you go do it, the less you'll think about it. And you're the only one, the only thing you're hindering is yourself. So, like, nothing's going to go bad if you stutter by saying hi. Just push through. Like, Stop being in your head about it and just go out there. Like, there's no reason to be shy when it comes to social settings like that. Yeah. And don't let that affect what clubs you join and what interests you. For example, this podcast we're making, like, that wouldn't have been possible without NABJ and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And... But a, a lot of people in a, in ABJ aren't even con majors. I'm a con major, but I know other people aren't. But it's just about what you have an interest in and what you have a passion for and being mm-hmm. able to use the resources that you have to explore your interests. That's what college is about. So, I mean, I wouldn't be able, I wouldn't know y'all with that. Well, we have a class together. Yeah. So. <laughs> I actually came up to you talking about this. We, we have a class together. But, I mean, I wouldn't know y'all without in ABJ and stuff like that. I knew Allison through... Um, communications and a project that we did together but I wouldn't really know her like in depth without an ABJ so and I think back on all the friendships that I've made over the years and it's just a really important time now granted 
making friends be hard just because like is. you see people and like you may be acquaintances with them like you see the same 10 people or something at every single event but y'all don't like hang yeah. out afterwards or anything like that that's the one thing i've been trying to push myself on right i wish i wish i could go back to be a little kid where i could be like hi yes we fell on the playground together let's be friends like you know where it was just so easy now it's just like you we could have conversations we could laugh the whole class and then go our separate ways and yes. not talk to each other till two days later when we have the same class again right. and then when the class ends y'all never talk to each other again. right <laughs> right that's just so crazy and i was like i wonder is this life like mm-hmm. that's what i like i do a lot of like what is it looking out and looking inward and just just thinking i was like this is life like it's gonna be like this like I was like, it's just so hard. <laughs> it's getting harder as I you know get older. I know my dad makes my my dad is very social. He's part of a lot of clubs. You know, he was he's a Q dog. He's in Zulu. He he be doing it all. But when I tell you, he makes friends so easily. Like I never mm. forget it. One day when I was in first grade. I, me and my sister used to play around and we would crawl under the seats for some reason. Hella dirty. I never re- <laughs> not recommend it. Zero out of ten. But I, one day I left my book bag on the bus and I got off the bus without my book bag and the bus drove off. And my dad was like, where's your book bag? And I said, it's on the bus. Two minutes later, this guy comes driving up with my book bag that he went chased down the bus and got my book bag for me because I guess he noticed that I got off without it. And now him and my dad have been friends for like 10 years. So that's crazy. <laughs> so that's crazy like how things can happen. You mm-hmm. never know what, you know, will happen if you just say hi to somebody or you just do something nice for right. someone. And try and foster those relationships is so incredibly important. So I recommend it never hurts. What my dad always says, nothing beats um, a failure, but a try. So always kind of push yourself out of your comfort zone because it will be rewarding, I promise. Yeah. I feel like the main thing that I really struggle with and I, I see other people struggle with is, like, rejection. Me. Like, it's the fact that, oh, I can go up, I can be nice, I can go up and talk to you, but you could be mean. Like, you right. could not want to talk to me. You could think I'm stupid. You could think I'm ugly. Like, Especially at a PWI. Yeah. You don't know what white people are the, you know, certain type of white people. And <laughs> Right. Or even, like, with black people, like, yeah. like some of them, like, some of them are mean. I'm not yeah. going to be like that. I love yeah. I love my brothers and sisters, but still. Yeah. That's a whole different subject we should talk about. Like, yeah. Yes. And just it, it's the crazy. clicks. But yeah. in terms of, um, attending a PWI and stuff like that and kind of finding your voice on campus, especially among, how would y'all say, would you amplify your voice among so many other, you know, non-black voices? This has actually been an issue that's been reoccurring this semester for me. It's like in friend groups and then in class, it's like, how do we do this? And my biggest thing is, it's always best to not only go to events where people look like you, but also where people don't. Mm-hmm. Like, try to put yourself out there. Whether you get genuine friendships, it's nice to see where it takes you because you could end up in something like SGA and then put your concerns about how you feel on this campus out there for people who look like you, for people who probably come from the same background as you, who believes in the same things as you, because you really want to represent in college and in life yourself. Mm -hmm. And you want to represent where you come from and for the people who look like you and to make this world better. So I feel like right now, college, coming to college 
and being here is a stepping stone to see how you're going to act later in life. Like take this time to find who you are, find your voice, figure out the things you're interested in, the people you like to be around, the people who you don't like to be around, the people who are interested in the same things. Like just take this time to really figure it out all out so you can be of service to not only yourself, but somebody else who may look at you and be like, I want to be like you one day. Mm-hmm. And actually like building your own space. Like right. a lot of the times at PWIs and stuff like that, it kind of feels like you're breaking the norm when you do something outside the box, like making a new club or something like that. I forgot we have the NAACP on campus as well. Shout out to them. But who and just got AAC. Yeah, AAC, you know, I'm going to rep with my club mm. or whatever. I should be wearing my name tag, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> AAC secretary two years in a row. I'm about Love to y'all. say your status, right. AAC been down. around this campus for a long time. And when I tell y'all, we do not – I'm I'm trying to get us, you know, to that recognition because, you and, know, we do a lot for this campus. And that's another thing. Like, I hate when you see the significant difference in certain groups like CID, Center, Center Inclu- for Inclusion and Diversity. Diversity. Like, the things they put out does not nearly get the turnout as things like UPC. Like, yes. it's just the vast difference. And it's this for diversity. Like, that's something everybody could be in like it's not just specifically for black people or minorities it's Mm -hmm. everybody like some people i feel like do it with the right intentions and some people don't some people i feel like it's kind of like how people think it's a black movie if mm, the both main characters are black or something and that they just oh it's a black movie i ain't gonna watch that but i feel like events often are labeled as black events or white events or Everybody events, UPC events, people are going to go to those regardless Mm because you get prizes, you get food, you know, it's fun or whatever. It's high budget because, you know, that's coming from the school school. or whatever. But then you have events like AAC, Center for Inclusion Diversity, who may throw the exact same event, like a trivia night. But Mm -hmm. you won't see the turnout for a CID, AAC, NAACP event that you would for UPC. And that's because it's labeled as a black event. Now, some people, I feel like, do it because they don't want to encroach on that space. A lot of people, which, I mean, a lot of people feel like AAC and those events, hell, I felt like that freshman year. Like, I didn't know if I could go to AAC events because I wasn't a member at the time and I had missed the membership and the dues and everything like that. So I didn't know if I could go to those events. But when it comes to non-black people, I feel like a lot of people don't go because they feel like maybe that's a safe space for black people to mm-hmm. just kind of enjoy life and stuff like that. And they feel like they're not welcome. Kind of like with the TikTok um, Black History Month event, like how some white people don't feel like white people mm-hmm. should have been invited to an event like that, which, I mean, you could say both ways. I feel like I feel the same. But a lot of events like that people feel like are for those communities and not for everybody. But the one thing I always tell people anytime I'm talking about AAC or anything like that, especially with being a con major and having to reach out to so many different people around the school for news and stuff like that, it's so important for not only black people to be at these events, especially the educational ones, mm. it's so important for white people and other non-black people to be at those events to learn and understand what we're talking about because you can't say you're an ally and you can't say you really understand well you'll never understand but you can't really say that you understand what we're talking about if you never listen it's gaining a perspective yeah you have to get that perspective like i get safe spaces for black people and i'm and i'm a strong gatekeeper but i'm also (laughs) a person who is like if you are coming with the right intentions to just learn and be there not to 
say, put this on a resume. Like, yes. I, I was here. I attended this. No, like, if you're actually there to gain a new perspective on a group of people that you've had these preconceived notions about or just because you just like the energy and you felt comfortable enough to be there and you like the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay to get along with a group of people who don't look like you and it's majority of them and be absolutely comfortable there. But if you just come to just, like I said, put it on a piece of paper, like it was some community service that you had to do. Like, like the march, the MLK right. march. They do that every year. They always show up all the football team and all the athletics. Hard to shout y'all out. But, I mean, the athletics and everybody goes because they are told to go. And I'm like, I get it. I mean, we all want a, a, a day off. But technically, MLK Day was established as an unofficial day of service because right. of all his work and stuff like that. So. If you are going to go to the march, like, if you're going to go, my number one rule, be present. Please be present. Nobody wants, like, when we were there, they had, you know, it was kind of almost segregated. You got the white people over here, and they group on their phone and stuff like that. And then you had the black people over here singing, dancing, joking, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, if you're going to go to an event, at least, you know, have your eyes and your ears wide open. Be present Mm -hmm. and listen to what's going on around you. At least take something home mentally or spiritually from that event. Because then you just might as well not show up. Right. Like, I, I mean, I get you might get a penalty or whatever from your your leader or whatever like that. But I mean, <laughs> your leader. <laughs> your coach. That makes you sound like an alien. Your right. leader. Your leader. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. No, I ain't going to say that one. But I mean, at least be present. At right. least be present in the moment and do things outside of Black History Month. Please and thank you. Please. Yes. Please. I get it's Black History Month. My cash app will be in the comments if y'all want to, you know. <laughs> Donate to Donate to the college. You know, but I mean, at least do things to show that this is more than just required. Like, of course, you have to have an event during Black History Month. You have to acknowledge Black History Month in some way. But at least if you're really trying and you're really trying to make a difference, do that throughout the year. Or if you don't throw an event, go to someone else's. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. In the same token, I'm also like, if you don't say anything about black history, black people are, black people's place in this society, all the other 11 months, I could just do it out your performativeness. Yes. Um, own black history. Like, because don't do that. Don't, mm, don't do that. black screens, black out there. Right. That drove that. me. Like, I get, I get it. I get the intent behind it. But the way y'all are doing it. Just to get some likes, I don't like it. Well, a lot of people do it just like to not nest, to kind of not get canceled. Like they feel like if you go through their Instagram and you don't see that little black square, oh, you're not down with us. You're not down with us. I'm not. Which you're not. You. I mean, which you're not. Because <laughs> it's just a lot of people aren't active on Instagram like that. So it just depends. Like if I see that your last post in between like twenty December twenty twenty one and in like January 2017, I'm not going to knock you. <laughs> mm. But I mean, so I get some people are just inconsistent or if I know you personally and I know that you really do care or you do mm-hmm. the work outside of Instagram, I'm not going to care about that. But when it comes to celebrities, y'all better be doing that. I'm sorry. Because I don't know you like that. So right. I mean, at the bare, you got to do that at the bare minimum. I'm sorry. Right. It's a requirement for me. But when it comes to this, I think it's important for... Black people not only to have our own space, but to 
join SGA, join places mm-hmm. where you can actually make a difference and make your voice heard and be a representative of your community and of people on this campus in whatever way you can. And one thing I have to learn, and I feel like a lot of people have to learn, is do not be intimidated yes. by who is there. Mm-hmm. Whether they look like you, whether you think they'll believe what you're saying or believe in what you're saying, try. Because you could be, you never know, you could be the first. And who doesn't like being a part of history? And I think if you have this mindset of that you can one day make these changes and believe in yourself, don't ever get intimidated by something like SGA because like my freshman year I was like SGA seems cool like because I didn't do it in high school and I was like that was one of my regrets and I was like it would be nice to do it in college but again when I seen it it was nobody who looked like me and if it was it was a man like (laughs) who still is just like that's a whole different other topic (laughs) like so it was do not be intimidated and also like, it's going back to the spaces. Like, I feel like people get confused what is a predominantly black club and what is not. Like, yeah. helping hands, they're predominantly in their members, but it was it did not start off as a black yeah. club. And it is still not a black club. It's just mainly black kids join it, which I'm saying this so other people can join Helping Hands. <laughs> yes. Please, Please join Helping Helping hands. They we love community service. Right. They do a lot. They do a lot for the Nacogdoches. They do a lot on this campus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's very important to join those clubs. I do feel like people, because maybe a lot of black people started joining it and they were like, oh, well, maybe this is right. a black organization. They didn't. But that's what I'm saying. Like, y'all need to stop being so intimidated just because you see more than two black people in the room now. All right. Are All right. the advisors, because two of the advisors are black. And I feel like that also played a part in, oh, this is a black club. No, it's just. The two advice, like literally, Miss Jamie, she been over helping hands for like twenty some years, and the other advisor. I'm so sorry, I can't remember his name. I think it's Bo. Oh no, he's from Boys. No, don't worry. Um, um, he was in the. Yeah. Anyways, we love you. <laughs> we, we love you. And the reason he is an advisor is because he was a member, a past member, and he loved it. He came back to work for NSU and was like, hmm, oh, let me be a part of it. And he's also <laughs> over CID, Center of Inclusion and Diversity. Are you talking about Mike Snowden? I don't But, like, we, <laughs> we like you, sir. Yes. And the point I'm trying to make is please come out to Helping Hands, yes. CID, AAC. Support and be part of the community. As you should. Yes. There was one more thing I had really wanted to say that I'm just completely forgetting. Oh, and I know, I know it's very hard to feel comfortable using your voice in those type of spaces. And I um, have learned to do it, especially with the help of other black people in my organization and in my major and stuff like that. But don't be afraid to use your voice. Don't be afraid if you feel um, disrespected, say so. If you feel something was inappropriate, say so. Like, you have to check people sometimes mm-hmm. as, you know, militant as it probably sounds. You really have to treat people, show people how to treat you. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if it's a co-worker. I don't care if it's a student. I don't care if it's your teacher. Because you have to be who you are and you have to show people In that this settings. is the norm. This In- is who I am. This is who we are. All settings. In all places. Like, be you. Like you, absolutely. 
that concludes our very first podcast. I'm so excited. I'm so happy that we were able to do this. This is our first episode, so check it out. Leave y'all comments in, I mean, leave y'all businesses in the comment section below when you want to talk about highlighting black businesses. We will highlight a black business every episode, so make sure to give yourselves or your friends or your family a shout out. You know, if you're, you know, online in the Natchitoches, Shreveport, Alexandria area on campus. I know a lot of y'all do makeup. I know a lot of y'all, you know, do design, hair. you know, do hair, yeah, everything. Y'all take Nails. pictures. Yeah. Graduation is coming up, y'all. So if y'all want us to highlight your business, please shout it out in the comments to let us know so that we can talk about it. And if you also have any advice you need, if you have any tea you want to spill, you know, also drop that in the comments and we'll be definitely checking everything so that we can talk about it in our next podcast. I'm Nadia Johnson. I'm Tahira Forte. I'm Jordan Mac McNair. Thanks for listening, y'all.